Good evening, everybody. This is Bubba's Bodyguard Podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. I am blessed today to have Alex Baker Whitcomb along here with me. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Can you tell people a little bit about yourself, um, you know, as far as where you're from, uh, a little bit about growing up, and then eventually how you get into your profession? Sure. Um, so I am from Vermont, the tiny mm-hmm. state right next to New York. Um, and I'm actually there now in uh, in quarantine social distancing, but I live normally in San Francisco. Um, and I work for uh, a national magazine called Wired, owned mm-hmm. by Condé Nast. And I do audience development there. Um, I manage audience development there. So uh, the way I like to say it is kind of everything that uh, Wired puts on the internet, I kind of poke at it at some point in the process. Um, so I do social media. I manage our newsletters and write uh, most of our newsletters. Um, I do SEO kind of, it's a, it's a relatively small operation for a big magazine like that. So um, we all kind of have our hands in a lot of things. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I see, um, you know, I see from keeping in, in contact and in touch with you that, uh, you, you know, you've, you've previously worked with Facebook and Oculus and, and a few other places. Uh, can you touch on those experiences and, and what that was like and what, what did you, what you exactly did with them if you're allowed to elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can start kind of, uh, when I graduated college, I, um, my dad was a stock car driver here in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I raced actually on this tour for four or five years or four years also. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated, uh, I didn't know what to do. I had kind of, um, I graduated with an English degree and I ended up uh, being the media director for this stock car racing tour. Uh, and it was kind of a wild job. I um, kind of had an in because, you know, I knew all the players and um, I had just gotten out with this degree, but I did that for three years, made like no money, <laughs> And, uh, but I loved it. And eventually I really wanted to get out of Vermont, um, which is kind of a common thing. It's a beautiful place, a great place to visit, tough place when you're young and and looking for jobs and opportunities. Uh, so I had, uh, I just got in my car. I quit my job. I drove to San Francisco. I didn't have an apartment. I didn't have a job. Um, I just kind of drove there and crashed on a friend's couch, figured out an apartment, the first thing that I did for about a year and a half was I nannied and I had never done that before. Um, I kind of fell into my lap and I think it's kind of a testament to, you know, you got to do what you got to do to survive. And um, I think you got to be willing to kind of do whatever it takes. You can't, I think the people that are like, you know, this is my job title. This is what I do. That's a really hard boat to row. Um, you got to be willing to, you know, work anywhere and, and do anything with the skill sets that you have. Um, and so that got me to San Francisco and I did that for about a year plus. And then I worked at Facebook. So that sounds like a kind of giant jump. And it was, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I uh, started off in a contract job that was Wednesday to Sunday, um, like 5 a.m. to 3 p.m. <laughs> so um, it was kind of rough and uh, rough schedule anyway, hard to have a social life. Um, and the way I had gotten into that job was kind of the philosophy of uh, working, you know, as the, as the lowest person at the company you want to be at. <laughs> um, and I bet on myself and I knew if I could get in the door that I would, I could move around if I just got in the door somehow. Um, and that job was tough. And a, a lot of what I did at Facebook is under NDA, but I can sort of generally talk about it. But right. um, that was, that was a tough gig where I just like, all I kind of did was work and I would wake up at, you know, 4am and go to work and I didn't have any weekends. And I moved out of that job in about six months um, mm-hmm. and moved onto Facebook campus proper. And uh, the Facebook main headquarters that's in um, Palo Alto or Mm Menlo Park is about, it's like 20,000 people that are there. Wow. Wow. So it's giant and it's like Disneyland for adults. It's just like restaurants everywhere and everything's free and you can get your car fixed there and (laughs) you can do anything you can do in the outside world. You can do within the walls of Facebook and it's sort of surreal. Um, and so I worked there kind of doing product management 
for Facebook mm-hmm. for a while, and then for Oculus, which is owned by Facebook. So I was yes. still in the same place. Actually, I just moved buildings. Um, and I, I really loved it. I was obviously a great job to have when I was, uh, you know, 25 or 24 or whatever I was. And especially with the kind of relatively low experience I had coming into it. Um, and I was there during the 2016 election and that was a pretty wild time to be at Facebook. Um, I can't think of too many places that it was kind of more crazy to be, uh, just because, Facebook was playing such a pivotal role in that election um, mm-hmm. and had in ones before it. And it was incredibly complex and the company knew it was playing a big role, but it was, you know, very layered in how to solve it. And essentially I worked at Facebook until the end of that election. And in January um, after the election was done, I, I moved to wired. So mm-hmm. My move to Wired. Sorry, this is long-winded, but this will no, this will get the whole story out there. No, no problems at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the, my move to Wired was was for a few reasons. Um, mm-hmm. One was uh, I really wanted to be in journalism. I had some social media background, I had some writing background, but um, kind of increasingly, I had this feeling of of wanting to be on the right side of history, mm-hmm. and. When I got to Facebook, I really, really believed that it was. Um, and when by the time I left Facebook, I, I wasn't as convinced of that anymore. Um, and I don't know some dark secret that the world doesn't know. You know, it mm-hmm. was just kind of uh, the feeling that I had when I left. So when I went to Wired, um, it was also kind of about uh, being a part of a smaller crew. You know, like I was telling you, 20,000 people is just you're just such a tiny part of that huge company. You know, if you don't show up for a day, nothing, nothing changes, you know? Right. Um, at Wired, it's much, much smaller um, and still has a big impact. If, if I don't show up, uh, the brand suffers. And that's true of any of my coworkers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a special, I think that's a special thing. It's an important thing. It gives you a lot of purpose. It also gives you a ton of opportunity to make real change and learn real skills and kind of see the fruits of your labor, which you might not in a giant uh, corporation. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so I had read Wired and, and loved Wired, and uh, they had just gotten a new editor-in-chief, Nick Thompson. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just, I loved him. I loved his, his vision for the future. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think journalism as a whole could learn a lot uh, from the things he's doing he balances legacy and the future really well which is a very hard line to straddle um and increasingly hard to straddle in this industry but when i came there i was um kind of at the bottom of the social team so it was Mm -hmm. a little bit similar to what i'd done at facebook i kind of came in on the bottom betting on myself to get up and uh that's kind of what happened in six months i came off the contract and was full-time and uh, about eight months maybe after that I got into the job I have now so I started off just doing social video for them mm-hmm. and then I was doing you know all of social media and then I moved into social media and newsletters and SEO and everything else I do now. Absolutely and uh, Alex what would be your advice to a young man or young lady uh, you know could be uh, all the way from from youth or you know high school or somebody in college what is your advice to them if they want to get into working you know, with whether it be Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, they want to work with those places and they want to do, uh, you know, like you said, they want to do newsletters and writing and, and you know, uh, social media handling and, and what, whatever it may be, you know, managing of, of some source in, in those components. What is your advice to them, the th- things that they should do? Yeah, I mean, specifically on that, I think the really beautiful thing about social and newsletters is you mm-hmm. can practice it anytime you want. It's all accessible. It's all free. It's all right there for you to, you know, get good at on your own. And I think with a lot of jobs, that's not true. You know, you can't mm-hmm. practice the nature of a lot of these jobs because they're, you know, programs that you can't get or, you know, with strategies that you don't know. Um, we're not operating on some secret manual that, you know, everyone doesn't have. Right. So you can get really good at it on your own. You can also, and this is something that we do, look at, look at who's doing well. And look at, you know, 10, 20, 100 accounts that are doing well and try to find the things that are consistent between them. There's a reason they're doing well, you know, and 
Um, it there, I think that there is an element of maybe luck's not the right word, but no one has mastered social media. And anyone that mm-hmm. tells you that they have fundamentally does not understand it because right. that's it's just not how it is. But um, there are things you can do to make yourself stand out. And I think kind of the base of that is look at what's working, understand the landscape, see how you can mimic it in your own in your own way with your own skills. And once you have that, now you can start to look at how can I do something that's a little different that builds upon this thing. Um, you know, I think there's a 10, per, I think everybody is doing 80 or 90% the same thing. And right. then you have kind of a 10 or 20% room where you're maybe doing something that no one's done before, or you're doing something that's really unique to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that anyone can do that. And I think that that's advice in any situation. I think when you take a new job, you should not walk in the door going, this is what we have to do. This is the strategy. You walk in the door and you listen. You know, you you understand the landscape. You understand who the players are. You mm-hmm. understand what people are doing well and what they're not. And you steep in that until you can find that 10 or 20% where you can make it different. But it, if you just come in going after the 10%, you're missing the 90, you know, and that's not going to work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, doing my due diligence on you, I've seen that uh, you have a uh, a gliding license. Can you touch on that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> so my dad is also a pilot. Um, right. And uh, so I grew up kind of uh, a kid of the airport. I was uh, driving uh, customers to glider rides on the golf cart when I was like 11 and uh flying in planes pretty young i Mm -hmm. i soloed in a glider when i was 16 which is about i think maybe 14 is as young as you can do it i can't it's either 14 or 16 but Mm -hmm. um i was pretty young when i did it and uh it's a pretty surreal thing i think um a lot of people are scared of flying and maybe scared of gliding but what's funny is uh gliding is actually the safest thing because uh the thing that usually fails you is the engine and there isn't one so right. <laughs> you you kind of have nothing that's going to quit on you and um when i was when i was young i was pretty into just piloting anything you know i really loved cars i was in court like two or three times before i was 17 mm-hmm. uh because of speeding tickets and you know the rest of it and that's that's why i ended up racing <laughs> right. was to kind of uh get that out and the gliding was a part of that and i think um kind of tying that even into the careers uh, the gliding license in the racing is, is something I've sometimes mentioned in a cover letter or um, it's is just something I draw on because I think it tells you uh, not that it's, a, you know, like a daredevil thing, because I'm, I'm really not a daredevil. Those are probably the, you know, most adrenaline rush things I do. Right. <laughs> it's more of that kind of everything's on the table and you can get good at a lot of different things. And I think when people are hiring and, and thinking about people you want people who you know look at a glider and think i can do that you know i could i could i could do the training to that you know the training is fairly rigorous they don't want people dying in gliders so it says something about you when you can um you know you can really commit to something and a lot of different things i think that ends up being really valuable in the world instead of i think a lot of people focus on they have to be the master of one thing um and I'm definitely not and have found kind of success in other venues. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Alex, you've, you've learned so much along your journey. You, t- you touched on, you know, going to school and college and, you know, having all these uh, major experiences with, with uh, you know, with businesses and companies that are just thriving, uh, to say the least. What, you know, obviously you've learned so much. If you could only focus in on one thing, though, Alex, right now, what is the thing you learned most throughout your journey? Oh, man. Um, you know, I think the thing that I've learned in the past few years is, um, is that it's really important to make a system for Mm -hmm. how you make big decisions. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I I think, um, kind of one of the first big decisions that came up, a big crossroad in my life was, do I move to San Francisco or do I stay in Vermont? And that was kind of the first time in my adult life I had a really major decision that was all mine to make because when you're under your parents roof there's all these influences and even when you're in college 
But once you're an adult, you, you eventually run into your first major life decision that you think is going to change the rest of your life. And I knew that it would. Mm-hmm. And I've had several since then, and a lot of them have been career related, but some of them, you know, they're relationship related or location related, or, you know, there's lots of things. And I think um, when you come to that first crossroad, it's really important that you don't just make one decision mm-hmm. and say, in my case, okay, I'm going to move to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm going to make a system here for how I make these decisions going forward. And one of those decisions was that I, I wanted to do the, this sounds cliche, but it's harder than it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do the morally right thing. Right. And I think everyone wants to do that, but I think actually setting your decision process that way is like, I've gotten job offers that are literally twice the salary of wow. the job I have right now. At right. But my decision-making system is not set up for that. It's not mm-hmm. set up for, make as much money as possible, which Mm -hmm. is a fair goal to have. And a lot of people have it. There's a lot of good you can do with that. Right. But that has not been mine. Mine has been, I know for me personally, I need to feel like I'm making a difference in the world. I need to feel like I'm learning something. And for me, I really need a connection um, with people. That's a huge, huge part of it for me. And so when I think, and I also, I don't want to be, I never want to say no to something just because I'm scared to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm all right to say no to something if it's stupid and risky for no reason. <laughs> but the San Francisco thing was like, this is going to change my life for the better. This gives me the opportunity to connect with more people. This gives me the opportunity to change people's lives in a way that I really want to. The only drawback is I'm scared to do it. And that's not a good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think kind of it's a long-winded way of saying <laughs> that you're going to, you're going to come to these crossroads a bunch of different times in your life. And it will be so, it will make your life so much easier if you come up with a system for all of them. So you're just following a path and you don't have to make it rigid. It's not saying I'll never make more money than I do right now. It's just saying, I know what things I prioritize and what I need to think about when I'm making any decision. And so every decision doesn't end up being this impossible. What do I do? Because I kind of know the path I'm going to go before I get there, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And you touched on the yeah. key thing there, uh, Alex, you touched on fear. What is what, what are some tactics yeah. or some um, you know insight you can give us on uh, of how do we get pa- get past fear? Is it, uh, you know, you know, uh, turning that fear into faith? Is it is it kind of just saying, hey, look, this is just my body or my mind telling me, hey, just to be safe. You know, what are some things that you've learned uh, throughout your journey where you can where you can turn fear and actually turn it into favor? Yeah, that's that's a really great way of saying it. Um, I think one thing is is what you just touched on is understanding that fear um, that, you know, there's a stimulus right mm-hmm. for fear. But how you, you choose, you don't choose the stimulus and you mm-hmm. may not even choose the fact that you're feeling afraid, but you do have the choice of of what you do. And fear is not always um, warranted, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a guess and it's, it's good to know. It's good to under, when you are, are feeling afraid, it's good to kind of register that mm-hmm. and go, okay, you know, my body's feeling afraid. My mind's feeling afraid. That's, that's good to know. There's definitely something here, but to me, I think the thing to keep in mind is anyone who has done anything great has been afraid. No one is fearless. And everything great is fear inducing, or it isn't probably that great. Mm -hmm. You know, like it doesn't come without risk. And I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, but it is true that anyone you see on TV or anyone that is your hero or anyone that is in some place where you're, you're being inspired by them, there is no way that they have not experienced fear in their life Mm -hmm. and overcome it and used it for favor. And I think at some point, in the beginning of adulthood and maybe even as a kid, fear is paralyzing. Mm -hmm. But as you go older, there are definitely times when you're afraid and it's real and there's no good thing on the other side. And that's the worst feeling. But there's a lot of times when I feel afraid that gives me the gut feeling that this is worth it. You know, that's Mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm trying to do something and I'm not afraid of it, it almost is like, I mean, why am I doing it? You know, right, right. <laughs> the, it must not be that big of a deal if it's so easy for me to do. You know, what are you going to learn 
from something that doesn't instill any fear in you at all, you know? A- absolutely. Um, yeah. Y- yes, sir. And, uh, you know, th- throughout your journey, Alex, what was a, just a challenging time where you said, you know what, I don't want to do it anymore. Or, you know, I, I just feel like I can't get past this, this, this trials and tribulations. And, and how did you get past it? And what was it? Good question. Um, I mean, I had a couple of moments in my life. I think, I think Mm -hmm. one was definitely when I moved to San Francisco. I mean, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a tiny town when I was in elementary school and middle school, my, my class was like 30 kids. Right. And I moved to San Francisco and it was incredibly overwhelming and I was nannying and I had, I felt like I had no hope of getting a job. I was super, super anxious. I had an English degree, which I thought was totally worthless and um i just really didn't know where to go and my life kind of wasn't panning out how i thought it would mm-hmm. um and i think one thing that really helped me with that um and i can't even remember who told me to do this but i think a lot of times most of your fears about the future it almost always has to do with the future and i think one of the things i resigned myself to that really helped was i was um feeling really afraid and giving up not because being 23 or 24 without a really excellent job was that bad, mm-hmm. but because I was imagining myself being 40, you know, with no job still, you know, like it was like, that was really what my fear was. And I think somebody, somebody told me, you know, people get afraid of what's going to happen in two years, but every time you think about the future, just flip that back. Like think about two years ago and think if you could have guessed anything about your life right now, two years ago. And for most people, they can't, they have kind of no chance at that. And I think I resigned myself to truly not knowing what the future holds. And I have guesses as to how it will go. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm not giving up on my future. I'm, I'm trying my best to set it up in a way um, that's going to work out for me, but uh, you just can't know something. And it isn't this kind of coronavirus exactly the, the kind of thing that proves that to you. I mean, no one on earth knew we'd be in this position right now, even three months ago. So how can you be afraid of something that's going to happen six months from now when no one could have told you where you'd be three months ago? You know, absolutely. I think that helps. And I think, and maybe you're kind of coming to this at a later mm-hmm. part too, but I know you're, um, you're really passionate about, about bullying. Mm-hmm. And, yes, sir. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know about, um, I don't know about, you know, a personal story for you, but I know for me, (laughs) the other time in my life was uh, when I was pretty young and I was in uh, like kind of between elementary school, middle school and riding the bus home. And I got beat up all the time in middle school. And it was by a particular couple of kids and I was just scrawny and easy to pick on. And I had kind of a lot of reasons, family stuff. And it was, you know, kids are mean, (laughs) but Right. I had a lot of reasons to be picked on. And, um, and that was, I remember the feeling of, of feeling like I, I can't overcome this. Um, and mm-hmm. I can't really be anything because um, this is just going to keep happening to me. And I kind of believed um, what they were saying. And I believed sort of what their actions were telling me. And I think a lot of people go through that. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really, really difficult to do. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Alex, if somebody were to ask you, who, who is Alex? uh, You know, what would you say? How would you describe yourself? Mm. Um, I would say that I'm kind of, I'm somebody who, uh, I'm a people person, but I I really run on, on being, on being passionate, whether that's kind of in my, uh, in my personal life or at work, I'm not somebody who, uh, and this is sort of uh, a symbolic, but also literal. I'm not somebody mm-hmm. who runs through an Excel sheet and, right. and makes decisions that way. Um, I have kind of always made decisions from the heart and I, I trust that a lot. And um, I go with my gut. And I think anybody kind of at work or a friend of mine or a family member of mine would, would tell you that's true. And um, I think it's served me fairly well, uh, but you know, who knows? <laughs> I'm sure there's like, right. there's a more logical way to do that, but that's the way I've always done it. And I've always kind of, even when I'm wrong, I feel okay about it because um, 
I think that that's an okay, you know, system to get there. Um, does that sort of answer that? I, I, I guess I've never answered that question before. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir, it does. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, we, we touched on probably like the most powerful or important thing you've learned. What, what is another great thing you learned? And, and, and it could be from, uh, we'll say from, uh, you know, a, a mentor or a book you read or from a professor or from another coworker or a boss or a leader, yeah. wh- whatever it may be. What is another very powerful thing that you learned, Alex? Well, one thing that has sort of guided my life, and um, mm-hmm. this advice came in two different forms from two different people at almost the exact same time. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was thinking about whether to go to San Francisco or not, which like I was telling you was kind of my first major life decision. I think a lot of people come to that crossroad and it's really hard to make a decision. And there's so many layers. Mm-hmm. And one of them at the time was my grandparents and they were in Vermont and they were pretty old and I was feeling pretty guilty about leaving them. And my grandfather um, told me to be the captain of my own ship. Mm-hmm. And that really hit home for me. And, and my boss at the time said a similar thing of, how, you know, be your own man and have the courage of your convictions. And I think kind of the mix of those two things was really important advice that has shaped how I do everything. Because um, it's really easy when bad things happen uh, to, mm-hmm. to blame other things and, and be upset and uh, maybe feel like things are unfair or be mad at other people. And at the end of the day, you drive your own ship. And if you're going to talk about, you know, doing all this great stuff, you have to have the courage of your own convictions. You have to actually do it or it's all worthless. And Mm -hmm. the only person who gets hurt if you don't is you, you know, you're the one who's kind of uh, breaking yourself up about that. And I think, uh, I think that just really helps calm the waters that when things get bad, you can just sort of go, it's all right, I'm still on this ship. I got to make a new plan now, but this is kind of the hand I've been dealt and I can't change what's going on in the world. I can't change what my girlfriend does. I can't change what my mom or dad do. I can't change, you know, what happens with my job. Um, But, uh, but I can change how I react to it. And, you know, even a relevant example right now is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone's going through a hard time Right. right now. You know, it's, it's, it's weird staying at home. I'm, I'm really lucky to be employed and to be totally frank, I don't know if I will be for the whole year because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, journalism is struggling and, and everywhere is struggling, but I don't look too much at that, um, right now because it hasn't happened. I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of wasted energy for me to think about that too much. And if that happens, I know that I will kind of analyze that at that point mm-hmm. and, and make a plan with the information I have then instead of trying to guess pointlessly now. Um, and I think that can save people and has saved me a lot of anxiety um, in leading up to decisions. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Alex, you, you touched on, you know, journalism there. What is your favorite thing that you just love uh, above all others with journalism? Like, what is it that, that, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, with me and, and my profession as an executive protection officer, as a bodyguard, that, uh, you know, I love my field. I love what I do because most importantly, over above all else, you know, I keep people safe. I help them stay out of trouble and I give them peace of mind. You know, I give them a person that could be a positive leader around them, uh, positive influence that could be uh, completely trusted uh, in many mannerisms. Uh, and, and, and most importantly, I can make a difference in people's lives and I can have an, a positive impact on people. Uh, what would you say, uh, why is it so, why is it so dear to you journalism and what is it lo- that you love most? Yeah. I mean, well, firstly, thank you for what you do because <laughs> I mean, feeling safe, which is literally what you do for others for a living yes, is, sir. you know, one of your most basic rights and it's really hard to do anything when you don't feel safe. And I think that, you know, not only are the people that you work directly for feeling Mm -hmm. safer because of what you do, but starting a podcast like this, you just never know how many people feel more safe because of what you're doing. So absolutely. Definitely grateful for people like you. I I, (laughs) I truly, I truly appreciate that. And it's, um, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, I'll say, uh, we'll say strange, but I say that respectfully. It's kind of strange. You, You touched about the podcast because, 
you're just so right. You never know who's watching. You never know who you're inspiring and uplifting and motivating. And and I and I say that to, to, to say this uh, because I, I launched my podcast, Alex. Right? I, I launched it uh, yeah. may, maybe about uh, you know roughly two weeks ago. I've already done about thirty-five episodes. Uh, I've had you know. Wow people from like yourself to NFL players to, you know, uh, chefs in the white house to you name it, you know, I, I've, I've tried to give diversity, you know? So, uh, yeah. and, and it's just been amazing. And the first week I had, uh, close to 2000 plays, uh, you know, like 2000 listens. I've, uh, I've reached over 85 countries, uh, you know, <laughs> listeners in, in those amount of countries. And, it, and it's just true. You know, you just never know how something, you know, like you say, social media is strange. You know, you could, you could simply post just a very basic, uh, very basic but powerful quote or sentence, and it could go viral. You know, it could it could yeah. reach people. It could it could spread like wildfire, and you, and you just you just truly never know. Yeah, I mean, and and what you're saying actually mm-hmm. kind of answers the question you just asked me, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, which is that's that's what I love about journalism mm-hmm. is it's this platform. Um, I think one of the things I really well, I think. I think one a thing I really value about journalism is that it um, it it serves to me to make uh, complicated things a little less complicated, mm-hmm. and I think that journalism, um, to a fault sometimes, serves as a filter. But I think for the most part, that very same filter that is sort of easy to be mad at and easy to hate. Mm-hmm. That is the entire reason why anyone knows what's going on because <laughs> it's it's really hard to filter through everything that's happening, especially, you know, complex policy and all this stuff, you just want to know how it's going to affect your life. And, um, and journalists tell those stories, they make people heard, um, they hold people in power accountable. Mm-hmm. I can't really imagine a world without it. But I think right. personally, for me, um, is even, you know, like we, we talked on Twitter, I think one of the most uh, rewarding things for me has been people messaging me saying they read a piece and this kind of goes back to the passion thing I was talking about saying they read Mm -hmm. a piece and they were moved by it. You know, they were inspired by it. I had written a piece on me and that was sort of about this. It was about um, my career path and kind of advice for people who are kind of looking to get a new job or, you know, they're just graduating college and it looks really daunting. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that, I don't know, two years ago. Now I still get messages kind of just every once in a while from somebody who was looking for a job and it just inspired, inspired them a little bit. It, it, you know, kicked them, got them going a little bit. And that's by far the most rewarding thing. And I hope I can do more of that in all kinds of ways, but journalism is sort of an obvious way um, to be able to do that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, while I have you on the podcast, Alex, I, I just have to, uh, you know, put a little pressure on you. I, I know that, uh, since you've you've worked, you know, like you said, you've worked on all these uh, major places. Is there, you know, and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but we'll go a little deeper. You said there's not really, you know, any any kind of secrets with social media per se. Uh, but if somebody was really wanting to grow their following, if somebody wanted to learn how to push viral content or whatever it may be, if they wanted to learn some type of some type of growth tactics or uh, whatever it may be, is there any insight you can you can uh, be uh, you know helpful with if somebody is is looking to do that? And obviously, I think a lot of people are they you know it, it's so helpful social media with marketing and promoting and advertising and uh, you know getting your getting your message out there, getting your services out there, whatever it may be. Uh, what is do you have any advice on that? Yeah, um, well, I think the first step is is to know the platforms mm-hmm. and know what how they how they serve people. And how they don't. I think whenever I come into a, you know, I've started social media for mm-hmm. companies, and that's the first thing that I analyze is, do should you have an Instagram? You know, mm-hmm. should you have a Twitter? Um, you need to sort of know where where your audience actually might be, mm-hmm. and where you know, like Twitter is a lot more news. Instagram is very visual. If you don't have any pictures, why are you on Instagram? You know, like there's, right. it's that's so the, the first part is setting yourself up for success. Um, but the second part, and this is something I've talked about, I've been giving talks at these social media summits kind of around, uh, around the U.S. for the last couple of years. And the big point I try to drive home is a lot of people go on, and especially when they're really searching for followers and marketing like you're talking about, mm-hmm. they try to figure out what the algorithm is, especially on Facebook, but everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, right. they're trying to figure out the algorithm. How can I, 
how how many characters should I use? What words should I use? What you know, what video style should I use? What what's gonna, you know, kind of trick the algorithm? Mm-hmm. And my advice is you may be able to trick the algorithm, but you will not trick the people on the other side of it. Right. And good content always wins, always. Even if you mm-hmm. don't play by the rules, even if you don't, you know, have quite the right hashtag and you see it, you've seen it, I'm sure. That right. There's all kinds of stuff. There's stuff that is really well done that goes onto Twitter and is viral. And there's stuff that's no words at all or, you know, a smorgasbord of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they don't do anything right for the algorithm and they get, you know, 200,000 retweets. It's just right. <laughs> good content is always going to be good. And I think it's a little bit like that 90, 10 thing I was talking about. That mm-hmm. If you're searching to, you know, you got to get the 90 right. And I think that um, those things to trick the algorithm, they, they might work for a little bit, but particularly in a place like Facebook, they don't, they they have a vested interest in you not tricking the algorithm because they have the same goal that you do which is mm-hmm. to have the user on the other side learn something new and enjoy you know what they're seeing so you can't trick them and these companies don't want you to and they're going to punish you for it and you've seen it on a place like Facebook where um, they are you know demoting things that have you know like this for mm-hmm. You know, like like this, if you like Hillary and comment on it, if you like Trump, that stuff doesn't do well anymore because Facebook penalizes it. Right. You know, that's that's a trick. And so you're going to get nailed kind of at some point. And I remember this happened even at Wired when Facebook came down with all these penalties and algorithms. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of media organizations that were flipping out. Right. And we were at Wired like, I don't know what you're flipping out about. We never did that stuff. We didn't do clickbait. We didn't do this stuff, you know, like right. because we're not trying to trick it so all the tricks are temporary and they won't really get you the the real following that you need it, it truly is better mm-hmm. to have 10 people who listen to your podcast every week they mm-hmm. want to be involved than it is to have 50 followers who do who knows what because right. you trick them into following you and they don't actually care right about your your content um and i think that's kind of why even on twitter where i have a reasonable following I try to be, uh, you know, active and that's why I respond to messages. That's why Mm -hmm. I respond to people's tweets and and comments because I'm trying to really have a genuine community, not just kind of stack those numbers up, which I think is what a lot of people get caught up in. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that was very well uh, construed and very well said. Um, You know, as we get ready to conclude here, Alex, and, you know, I I greatly uh, so much appreciate your time and your efforts and your uh, your your insight, your your mass wisdom and knowledge of of life and (laughs) and your journey. Uh, I'm going to pass things over to you. If there's any final words of encouragement, any final words of of offerings of of advice, uh, anything we can expect to see from you in the near future or in the future in general, uh, whatever it may be in this moment, Alex, I'll just pass things over to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything particular to promote, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of touching on the um, on why I think this podcast is so important um, mm-hmm. and what you're doing is so important. Because like I was telling you, you know, I, I went through it myself and had some, you know, really tough times in middle school. I went to a lot of therapy. I had a lot of anger management. And it's funny, um, anyone who knows me now uh, would probably be shocked to hear that on this podcast because I'm I'm, I'm really pretty relaxed and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really forgiving and it's kind of hard to imagine me really angry. And that's because I really don't get that way anymore, but there was a time when it was really hard and it was built on that. And it was built on not understanding why I was getting bullied. Um, It was, it was built on feeling really different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a common thread. I think when you get bullied, you start to feel different than everybody else. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know, what bullying is based in, right? It's based in, I don't understand you, you're different than me. So I'm going to, you know, do something to harm you. Right. And I think that when you're younger, that's a really devastating message to be sent, not just because maybe you're getting physically beat up like I was, but even if it's verbally or, or emotionally, or there's so many ways. And like, uh, I think you had said like cyberbullying, you know, all that stuff hurts um in a very similar way and it's after the same thing and it's to make you feel different Mm -hmm. and i think um the thing i can i can say kind Mm -hmm. of from the other side of it is that that same thing 
that feeling different when you're young is exactly what everybody wants. When you're older, it's exactly why you get good jobs. It's exactly what all your heroes are. They're different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I think about that, that it was such a, felt like such a death sentence to be different Mm -hmm. when I was young. And now, um, what do you, you know, if there's 200 job resumes on a counter, Mm -hmm. the only one who's going to get in is the person who's different. Um, And so I think that it's just try to take some heart in knowing that that's actually kind of a validation that Mm -hmm. you are different and you do stand out. You know, you have caught kind of the notice of these people and there's a reason for it, a good reason. Mm -hmm. And that is something that will serve you well uh, later on because you'll stand out from the crowd and it is horrible. It's a horrible feeling to stand up from the crowd when all you want to do is shrink away. And I remembered feeling that way that I just wanted to shrink and be normal and have everyone forget I was there. Um, But thank God that's not what happened because I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have the job I have or the friends I have or um, any of the stuff I have now, if I had just kind of slunk away and, and done what, you know, bullies wanted me to do. Absolutely. And um, lastly, I I know that, uh, you know, we were supposed to kind of get ready to conclude things, but I I have to add in one thing here and I I greatly appreciate everything, everything you just said Um, with, with the networks, you know, with the social media outlets and uh, different, you know, uh, things of that nature. uh, What, what are they doing, uh, you know, to, to kind of, uh, we'll say uh, slice the numbers in bullying or, or try to help, uh, you know, uh, you know, battle against it. Uh, per se. And, and also, uh, what is your advice from somebody that is on that side of things? If somebody is getting, uh, you know, a lot of hurtful things or, or harmful or threatening or whatever it may be, uh, what is your encouragement to them? And, and also, what are the networks doing to try to, uh, you know, put the abuse of, uh, you know, things away out of the networks and, and, and the bullying? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think we all sort of know that the networks um, have really struggled to contain this. Mm-hmm. And they've struggled with it with fake news. They've struggled with it with bullying because free speech is such a complicated right. And it's and I remembered feeling that way when I was at Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, that obviously we want to fight fake news and we want to stop bullying, but why does Facebook get to be the arbiter of truth? Why does mm-hmm. Facebook get to decide who's bullying and who's not and who's telling the truth and who's not? Right. And I think that becomes really complicated. So uh, you know. When I, when I say, it's not that I think social networks are doing the best job. Mm-hmm. I just like to point out that um, it's hard. It, it's very easy to kind of throw softballs at them, say, Facebook, Twitter, you're not doing enough. But you should right. couch that in what you think they should do. Um, because I think it is sort of like, I want to hear solutions, not right. um, kind of complaining about what they are or aren't doing. But they have taken some steps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, they, they have a much more robust reporting now. Mm-hmm. Um, they've kind of teamed up with crisis management and suicide hotlines to direct you to information. And they have AI um, that uh, can sort of analyze a conversation and understand if they think maybe you're thinking suicidally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those kinds of things are really important. And I think that's a really wonderful way that we can use technology but it's not going to catch all of it and that kind of brings you back to you're the captain of your own ship facebook's not going to save you you know Mm -hmm. they they, and that is an unfortunate truth they're going to try to keep you from a lot of it but you know if a friend at school is sending you nasty stuff i mean facebook is not going to be able to do much about that right um so i think kind of on a personal level it's Mm -hmm. it is i think you treat it the same uh that you know i did getting beat up on the bus. I think you do have to sort of understand um, just internally Mm -hmm. that it's, it's not a rejection of you. It's actually kind of a fear of you and what you're going to be. They're not going to push someone down that they think is already down. They're pushing you down because you are up, you know, that's kind of, that's the reality of it. So that's, that's kind of the internal thing. But I think the external thing is, um, is not to be afraid, uh, to tell someone about it. And I can say that because I was, and I didn't, and it went on for years and it didn't have to, um, you know, I could have, I could have talked to my parents about it more. Mm-hmm. I could have, uh, talked to someone at school, but I was really afraid. And, and I didn't, um, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, I think 
what was I, you know, what was I afraid of that if I tell they were going to beat me up? You know, they were already doing that. So right, right. It was, uh, it was in retrospect, it seems silly, but it does not feel silly at the time. And um, I think it's just that people, people want to help you and they, and they can help you. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be doomed to, you know, this kind of thing forever. It's not just going to get worse always. You really can nip it in the bud early. And, and to be honest on the, what you should do, I, I, I'd love to hear from you. I mean, you, you know, mm-hmm. a lot more. I only know kind of from my personal experience where, where I didn't tell anyone and I wish I had. Um, but I think maybe you have a better sense of um, what the kind of best practice is if this is happening. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I appreciate your insight on that. And, uh, you know, for, for, for me, uh, you know, I think, I think honestly, uh, it doesn't really matter which form it comes in, whether it's verbal, whether it's physical, whether it's, uh, you know, a cyber attack, whether it be a, you know, video game or a text message or whatever it may be, you know, social media handle. Uh, I think that you, you have to, uh, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to draw back. And, and I say that to, 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 to lead to this, that when I say drawing back, I'm not just saying quit, give up. You know, I'm not saying to uh, allow the cowardly acts to continue. What I'm saying is to, to just have patience in, in that moment uh, that yeah. you wouldn't that you wouldn't uh, retaliate. You want to do some outlandish act uh, against that person, because I think we see that mm-hmm. often. We see that a lot, Alex. Uh, we see, you know, the young man get pushed down and then he comes back to school and does just an outlandish uh, thing or or he just, you know, call, right. calls his friends or whatever it may be, or, or he just, uh, you know, just takes it to such an extreme where now it's, it's to the point where, you know, the young man throws his future away or, or, you know, mm-hmm. his, his freedoms, his liberties, whatever it may be. And, and you know, so I, I think that, I think you, I think you draw back and, and even as a person that, that is observing it, you, you take a second and you reflect on it and say, you know, it, obviously, unless it's, you know, where it's an act of assault or something crazy, you, you know, you step in, obviously. But if it's, you know, you, you, you look at things and you digest them, you, you, you let them inhale, you you give things a moment and then you go over and, you know, you 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 uh, you, you know, in the immediate moment you try to you, it's it's cliche, but you kill them with kindness, you know, that eventually right. everybody responds to kindness. Everyone responds to love. Everyone. You just have to find mm-hmm. it that. Uh, those are those are things that are uh, just very easy that, uh, you know, to hate somebody, it takes a lot to 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 be aggressive and to hate and to have anger. You know, those those feelings are or are ones that are way more enduring than just simply being kind and smiling and and shaking someone's hand and giving a hug. Those are those are things that are just natural. You know, those those angers, those those fears, those 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 abusive things, they have to be learned, you know, and then uh, and, and that's why I kind of say that as well to kind of just give it a moment and be patient uh, and just reflect on things because, uh, you know, when, when, you know, the, the, the bully, it does, you know, a young man just doesn't wake up one day and just say, I want to go to school and bully. He could be in an abusive True. environment. He could, uh, you know, he could be getting bullied himself. He could be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dealing with domestic situations at home, whatever it may be, you know, he could be, uh, a young man who's who's turned to the streets or, you know, it could be a lot of things. So I, I don't say that to to give them a, a, a get out of jail free card or to to give them, you know, anything like that. But I just say that to that. We understand both sides of the situation. We understand the, the aggressor and we understand the victim. Uh, and, and, and we yeah. and we get both of them help. We get we get the the, uh, you know, the young man or young lady that is being the victim and, and the young man or young lady that is the aggressor help because. Uh, you know, we, we can't just uh, give the victim help and then you still have a bully on the loose. You know, you have to, <laughs> right. you, you have to, uh, you know, you know, and, and find what's hurting them, find what is making them so angry and, and hostile and, and, and could be violent or outlandish, whatever the whatever behaviors they're displaying that we have to, you know, mm-hmm. take time and be very mature and treat it, treat it very seriously. And then, uh, you know, yeah. you know, whether it be in our school systems and you know, we have to we have to give give the people the proper give the you know the young men and young women and 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 you know bullying uh it just it, it isn't just in school and it just isn't on cyber attacks it could be you know a relationship where a man or a woman is being bullied in a relationship it could be a, a workplace where you know uh you know I come in and, and I'm the boss and I I say you know you know A B C and D uh just call them names you know I it, it could be you know, bullying comes in very, very many forms, uh, you know, and, and, and any place it could come in any place, anytime, anywhere in the world. And, um, 
you know, I think I, I think we got to really just continue to uh, just say, you know what, we're 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 going to put an end on things and uh, just be realistic as well, because, uh, you know, that we have to understand that bullying isn't just something you snap your fingers and it's going to magically disappear, that it's more, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, with with laws, you, you, you know, you, you see these people, the, you know, they know that, you know, the, the police could arrest them. They know that the judge can sentence them. But they still continue to do these uh, just, uh, you know, just outlandish crimes and 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 things of that nature, you know, just and I'm not even talking in context with bullying. It could be outside of that could be, you know, they're 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 involved with things. And and, you know, there's consequences in life that if you do something, you know, if you drink and drive or if you uh, do something with a farm or whatever it may be, that there's there's consequences, there's steep consequences. There's a wrath that comes with that, you know, that decision. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that. We, we just have to uh, we have to understand that because, you know, bullying is kind of like right and wrong. And it's kind of like, um, you know, like a, like like laws as well, where they're always I think it's always going to be in a state of it's happening. But we have to address it immediately and that yeah. we, we have to put the proper resources around the proper counseling and the proper. You know, we have to uh, just really deeply inspect things and just let people know, like there's organizations like we have, you know, bodyguards against bullying where we try to be people's big brothers and big sisters in life and just let them know that mm. when, when they choose to bully you, they choose the, to body to, they choose to bully the entire organization of bodyguards at the international <laughs> level that, and, wow. and, and, I, and, and I don't say that to, 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 uh, you know, incite any, any uh, fear or anything like that. I just say that to, mm-hmm. you know, look, you're not in this battle alone. If you think that no one is for you or that, you know, everybody's just hating on you and, and you have all these people that want to see your dream be dormant and all these naysayers that, you know, uh, Bubba yeah. and Alex, you just can't do it or whatever it may be that, you know, we're in your corner and, and we're all across the real, you know, United Kingdom, um, you know, America, all these all these That's different awesome. countries. And and that we we want to help people. We want to we, we have a message is that uh, a 60 second video saves lives that, you know, when we when we share our messages out, Alex, that someone could come across that video and they could be on their just last limb of life. And they could just be yep. saying, you know, I just can't, I can't bear it any longer. The abuse, the, 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 um, the, mental, the, the emotional, the mental, the, the, the feelings that I'm feeling, I just, I can't hang on any longer. And they see that video and they, they have a light bulb that, that clicks on and says, you know what? I don't want to give up that. There's a, the, you know, uh, for instance, there's a gentleman named Mason Haynes, who's the, the founder of the organization, uh, who was my mentor, close friend, uh, he's six foot ten, and he he used to get bullied. So it just kind of reassures them yeah, you know, that right. that uh, uh, you know someone who is in their prime. He's you know he's bodyguarded every uh, major A list. He's he's been in the 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 field for twenty five years. That wow. even him could have he he endured some troubles with bullying. That you know no one is yeah. alone, and and you know just to never judge a book by its cover. Just because someone is bodyguarding and they're and they're just this massive person. There, there's somebody that, you know, you want to want to see on your best day, you know, that, uh, you know, that they've endured some troubles in life and we all go through things and that we just want to reassure them, you know, there's comfort, there's, there's, there's a sense of reassurance. There's a, there's a peace of mind out there that, you know, we just want to help and we want to inspire, we want to spread the message and, you know, we want to just fight back against yeah. it. And like I said, we want to do the res- responsible things where we're, where we're treating both sides of the situation. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think what you're saying about, kind of everyone going through it and you know it's it's so important just Mm -hmm. for you know the guy you were talking about to say that it happened to him i think so many people feel like it's happening to them and they look at their idols and think well it's not happening to them look how strong and confident they are you know they're Mm -hmm. not getting bullied and and you just don't know that and so many people do and it doesn't really have to do with your confidence or your strength it can be anybody and I think just being transparent, I mean, even in my, you know, I'm not like a particularly huge guy, but not everybody knows mm-hmm. that, that I went through that, you know, and right. I think it's, it's really important to be transparent because um, there is another side and, and plenty of uh, people that you might assume um, maybe haven't gone through that have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, that makes people feel less alone, like you're talking about. And that's so important. Uh, absolutely. And, it's, and, you know, I think, I think the most powerful resource, um, uh, the most powerful skill or attribute uh, for a victim is is your is your mind and is your is your mouth is what is knowing what to say and knowing what not to say to your abuser mm. to to your person is is being able to 
openly feel comfortable seeking help to, to find someone that you can, you know, be a shoulder to cry on or, or be that listening ear or, or whatever yeah. it may be that, that comfort that you need to seek so desperately. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just being smart, being, uh, you know, wise, being, uh, you know, how can I remove myself from this environment? How can I remove myself from this situation? Who can I talk to? You know, processing yeah. information, uh, making threat assessments, you know, I, I, I mean, that's, uh, a little bit of an elaborate of, of a technology uh, of a terminology excuse me but <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Just, just just kind of knowing like you know things like that and then just you know speaking things to them that if you tell you know it, it, it i guarantee you 99.9% of the time if you have even the the meanest person if they come up to you and they're just you know you know blah 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 this and that and they're just going off the handle if you just know how to come to them and and speak to them and and really just give them some context where they, where they go, Whoa, like this person just shocked me. I'm, I'm, I called them every name in the book. And if you just hit yeah. them simply with a, I love you or God bless you, or, Hey, you know, uh, I understand your pain. Let's talk. Or, you know, if you give them some, some, some terminology like that, I guarantee you 99% of the time that that person is just going to be, they're, they're going to be at loss for words. They're, they're probably just going to, you know, just be in complete shock and in complete awe. And, you know, you, you just, that's how you do it. You kill them with kindness, even, even as a yeah. bodyguard, you know, even as a, a trained professional in my field and in my craft, that the most important weapon that I have is my mind, my mouth and my heart that and, mm. and my ears, you know, that um, it, it's nothing on my duty belt. It's nothing that I'm concealing. It's it's nothing that I have a certification or training in. It's the things that I can control from within. And it's and yeah. it's having uh, confidence in those traits and those abilities to know how to talk to somebody, to know how to build a relationship to, uh, you know, that your speakings can either release curses or they can release blessings. You know, you can deescalate a situation or you can escalate Mm -hmm. a situation. uh, And, you know, just, just being out, outsmarting of a a situation where you're 10 steps ahead of it, you're, you're mentally prepared for it. uh, You know, that the next time that bully come back to you to bully you, that you're already 10 steps ahead of him. He's just confused at that point. And he just says, you know what? I can't, bully, <laughs> I can't bully Johnny anymore. Cause he's gotten right. way too smart and he's, his words have gotten way too proficient. He, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's wise behind his ears. Right. And, uh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's knowing, um, you know, your, your ears come into play because you have to, you have to be listening. You have to be listening. You have to, uh, you know, know what to hold in and know what to let out of your ears. And, your heart, you have to have heart in every situation, even as a journalist, even as a, you know, whatever, whatever uh, skill or profession you're in, you, you have to always have heart. You know, that's, uh, you know, especially in my field that, uh, you know, you, you have to have heart. You have to love what you do. You have to uh, be able to help others. You have to be able to have sympathy. You have to be able to have those care, charismatic traits. And that's the biggest misconception in my field is that it's all about uh, size and, and bigger is better and all this, but you have to have the critical soft skill because that's what, that is what's separating of people that get into the field and the people that excel in the field for years and years. And they get around the clientele mm. they want to, and they get around uh, situations and events that they, that they just could have never dreamed of. You have to have the critical soft skills. You have to have the people skills, the, the wisdom, the knowledge, the, the, yeah. the 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 state of humbleness you have to be trusted you have to be trusted with information trusted with families you have to mm-hmm. you know it, it's so much that goes into it and uh you know you have to you have to be able to network and build on connections and build on relationships and you know if you're lacking of those things because think about it you could be seven foot and carrying a firearm and and you're this guy that works out of the gym every day but if you can't be trusted if you can't uh <laughs> you know if you don't have integrity and character and respect then nobody would want to hire you so those are the things that can really get you to the top they can get you around the 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 you know the people whatever it may be in any field in any uh faucet you know those those, you have to have those traits well and what's cool is that like you were saying that there's Mm -hmm. you know there's not special training for that those are things anybody can do even if they're not a bodyguard you know it's preventative and and having those soft skills and being trusted is uh, you know, your height and how much you go to the gym is never going to be a factor if you never actually have to get into the fight to begin with. Um, Absolutely. So it's easier to learn and, you know, more critical. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, another thing, and I'll, and I'll close off on this, um, yeah. that e- even in our field, a lot of people think it's all about, you know, drawing your weapon quick or you would uh, just pummel somebody or things like that. But it's, 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 it's <laughs> yeah. you're, you're trained flight over flight. 
And I say that mm. because it relates so back, uh, so, you know, it, it relates so deep with bullying that if you just mm. remove yourself from a situation, you don't have to do anything outlandish. You don't have to do any anything hateful back to them. You don't have to, you know, and I'm not saying uh, not to defend yourself if things were very severe and, you know, you were in a life threatening, you know, jeopardizing situation. But the, in our field is getting yourself and your client to safety when something happens, you know, you want to you want to. Mm. Uh, you know, take your take your A list client or your or your or your client that is so important and take them into the middle of a brawl. You would go out the exit that no one else is going out. You would get you know get home safely. That right. uh, you know that that is uh, what's most important. So flight over fight, absolutely. Yeah, that's great advice. Awesome. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, <laughs> again, I appreciate it. Um, you know, we 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 went on here for actually very. Um, you know, a lot longer than we anticipated, but um, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it was a conversation. <laughs> yes, sir. It was an absolute honor and a blessing and a privilege to have you on here. And you, you gave us a lot of, uh, you know, deep insight and knowledge and, you know, your expertise of your profession. And, uh, you know, I, I greatly appreciate that. And, um, you know, uh, again, I just am so thankful. Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me on and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's really important. I can't wait to see how it uh, continues to go. Absolutely. And thank you very much. All right. May you be healthy, prosperous, and, and as successful as you've ever been, Alex. All right. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, you too.